Hey, it's Kate. Hey, it's Anissa. Fosco Works has a bonus episode for you today. It's part of a custom podcast called Productivity Confidential, produced in partnership with Citrix. We'll be back next week with a new episode of Secrets of the Most Productive People. I'm your host, Ted Brown, and this is Productivity Confidential, a custom podcast from Fasco Works and Citrix, where industry leaders share their insights on new technologies and strategies that can unlock creativity and productivity. Artificial intelligence fills some people with fear and brings others a hope of a more productive future. On this episode, we have Chris Heilman. He's based in Berlin and is the principal program manager at Microsoft. We talk about how AI can do what it's great at, repetitive tasks, and humans can do what we're good at, creative, emotional work. So, Chris, welcome to Productivity Confidential. Hello. How are you doing? Good, good. I just wanted you to sort of quickly introduce yourself and and what your role is. I'm a principal engineer in Microsoft, and I've spent a lot of my time in thinking about and making artificial intelligence work, especially in a web-connected space. And in your perspective, you know, what is artificial intelligence in in your career and how you view AI as a a current technology? So we're, we're very excited about calling everything AI, but we're not quite there yet. And I don't think we will ever be in a space where there is an artificial intelligence. Intelligence is not even measurable. There's like 12 different types of human intelligence intelligence, so computers mimicking them doesn't make much sense. AI is is an umbrella term for several things. It's pattern recognition, it's machine learning, it's deep learning. It's basically all the things that computers have not been doing in the past because the computers weren't fast enough. Now that we have like uh, dedicated hardware there, we have dedicated machines that do repetitive boring tasks over and over again, computers and robots become cheaper and cheaper. We have a chance to do the same uh, in the industrial, rep- that we did in the industrial revolution with like factories and robots that we do right now with computers in our business world. We accumulate so much data nowadays that it's actually impossible for humans to actually find the information in that data. And that's why we need computers to look at their data for us and pre-filter it for them and give them to us. The same way we tell computers what kind of rule sets we have, like what we want to find, and they do the hard work for us than doing the repetitive, boring tasks that we as humans shouldn't be doing. Same in production. We do basically... Uh, we automate things away that humans should not do because humans actually are more creative and should should do other things and we give them to computers so much like we uh, we're not building things by hand any longer but we have robots building them for us we now do the same thing with data structures and with um, finding information in pieces that is just too much for humans to consume you were talking about uh, the fact that you know humans are, are good at certain tasks and AI computers are are good at other tasks can you give me another example where um, you know a human really excels at something that a computer is still figuring it out figuring out its way around or struggling to understand because we just don't have the skill set to give them the tools to understand I think the best example is human communication. Our communication is uh, is fraught with error. So basically, something like sa- like sarcasm, something like irony, something like a rhetorical question a computer or a program could never understand. But as a, but as a human, I can actually understand it when I'm with the other person. Communication is about sixty percent uh, facial rec- facial recognition and our body language. The rest is what we say. So that's why we have communication problems when we're just on the phone or or Skype that we are right now. So when uh, when we talk to each other or even when we communicate and write to each other, we use things like irony, sarcasm, rhetorical questions. These are things that computers have a hard time doing. And that's why we're doing that. Why it always feels so creepy talking to a robot voice or talking to a Siri or Google or an Alexa or something like that, because we still realize this is not a human, but it pretends to be more of a human. At the same time, we feel much better when the thing is almost human, but still feels like 
okay, that's something that is there to do a job for me. So other than that, when it comes to where humans are bad, our humans are bad at really, really repetitive tasks. So if we do boring tasks like going through millions of spreadsheets to find a certain pattern or find a certain value, we're actually getting worse at that the longer we do it. When we get bored, we make mistakes. Same as a factory worker. When they do the same hand movement or the same functionality all the time, they make mistakes and then it becomes dangerous because they might hurt themselves or others. So that's where computers are much better. Everything that is repetitive, everything that's boring, everything that is just following a certain task until there is a certain uh, uh, information at the end of it that's where computers are much better and that's a lot of the jobs that we've built in the first uh, industrial revolution which is just repetitive things that humans are actually getting bored doing so we are at a good space right now to bring uh, humanity forward in this case so regarding those repetitive tasks that humans aren't very good at and that we can easily replace with ai uh training you know having machinery to do tasks over and over again what do you have to say to people who maybe have anxiety or fear about ai replacing their jobs it's undoubtedly the way that a lot of jobs will go away but a lot of jobs have gone away already when you look at what amazon has been doing in the delivery environment they've been uh, they've been basically making a lot of companies obsolete just by optimizing it and doing also machine learning on the organization of the thing so a truck driving around from amazon is loaded in a certain with a certain algorithm to make sure that it's the most effective way to deliver these things in the shortest amount of time a smaller company could never could never actually put that much effort into researching that and finding this information out themselves so there is uh, no doubt that a lot of that a lot of jobs will be going away but the good thing about that is and this is getting in the in the weird hippie uh, uh, kind of thinking that i have is that it will free us to do more uh, completely new jobs we have to invent new jobs for humans to do because humans want to do something I see with my parents, for example, or my brother. My brother has the same DNA as me. My brother is a fireman and he used to be a factory worker because his whole life he's been told that's all he can do. He's not clever enough to do anything else. He hasn't gone to university. He will never get a different job. So he basically, he worked his whole life not doing what he wanted to do just to make money. Now he's got a bit, of, a bit more spare time because he had an accident and now he's actually finding out that he wants to be a comic book artist and does that in his free time as well. So we have a lot of human creativity in ourselves. We just don't have the time to unleash it and because we're running we're running after a society where we have to actually work to live rather than just to live and find something to bring back to society with the talents that we have so hopefully we'll find a way in the nearer future where the um, the people losing their jobs will be somehow uh, evaluated against something that is a loss. So uh, universal income is something that comes up all the time. And I think it's not a bad idea. We don't have the problem that we don't have enough money. We just have the problem that it's not distributed evenly or not distributed to where people could find their own future and find something to give back to, hum uh, to humanity afterward. I mean, this podcast is all about productivity, and it sounds like what you're saying is that AI might give us a shot to sort of hit a critical mass of productivity where it actually takes over jobs for humans and lets them do other things that don't require you to sort of constantly be, be thinking about what you're doing and how you're making money. Well, we had that for a while. I mean, like my career was like starting as a, a, as a radio journalist, and then I became a programmer, and a, my job was like, how many lines of code have you poured out? And then uh, as my career progressed, I started... I started leading people, I started leading projects. Now I'm actually leading programs of inside the company with a lot of other people inside it. So my job has come from like manual labor or like semi-manual labor, like typing in lines of code to thinking about what 
types of code not to write because they're not necessary any longer. So few, uh, sooner or later, even that job of a programmer will be automated by machines writing programs for other machines because they're, they're much more effective in doing that. And we already have a few programs where you can go, for example, to a whiteboard and paint a layout and it creates the code to generate a website from that, from that painting because, again, people demand the same kind of layouts, demand the same kind of websites over and over. Why should a human do this repetitive task when we have already um, little bits and bobs that we can put together to make a website out of it. Now, Chris, you strike me as an AI optimist. And I know that a lot of people are sort of fearful and anxious about AI and machine learning. Why do you think that they are anxious and why are you so hopeful about it? I'm not afraid of it because I'm also a pragmatist. I don't see uh, AI or deep machine learning as something that's coming, but something that's already happening. So I'm actually more of an action person to say like, it's here right now. We have to make sure it's ethical. We have to make sure there's transparency and we have to make sure that companies cannot just use it nilly-willy for whatever they want to do. So humans need to actually uh, evolve with the computers and that's something that is the most depressing thing to me that we are technology wise we're at star trek we're like when i watched star trek tng in the 90s i'm like i want this and now i have it but we haven't moved society along with it we're still thinking like the the richest person is the most intelligent and the most successful and that's just not the case there's so much wonderful human potential we can unearth if we let machines do the boring stuff for us We'll be back with more from Chris Heilman after this. At Citrix, we're working hard to simplify the work experience and transform how people collaborate, create, and innovate. As a vice president of products at Citrix, I can tell you firsthand about the mental fatigue that comes with a fast-paced workplace. But it's not just the pace. We're asking highly skilled workers to do mind-numbing, repetitive tasks instead of the high-value, creative tasks that we hired them for. Artificial intelligence has the potential to revolutionize how people work and let them focus on what matters. I'm Steve Wilson, and I'm helping the world work better. Learn more at citrix.com fastco. How has artificial intelligence uh, impacted the, the workforce, and has it made things easier? Has it made things more productive? Has it made things more difficult for people? How have, uh, how have artificial intelligence technologies sort of impacted uh, uh, workspaces? I think the great thing about AI is when it's not visible, when it's not available, you don't realize that it's happening, then it's actually the most powerful. So when I look at things like, for example, in, in OneNote, uh, when I drag a picture in there, it automatically turns it into a text for me. Or when I drag a picture into uh, into PowerPoint, it does an alternative text for me in the background. So if a blind user looks at my PowerPoint, they still get a description of what that image does. I love that, for example, when you get Google Photos and you just basically upload photos, you don't tag them, you don't describe them, but you can type in food in your, uh, in your collection and it will find only pictures of food. And that's all because it was using machine learning in the background to analyze that data and to make it easier for you. Things like Microsoft Teams or, uh, or Slack, when you type in certain terms to find people in your office you don't actually have to rely on the company hierarchy and the company directory anymore because it analyzed the conversations that people had in meetings and what answers they give they so they you probably find experts that are not the official expert but know more about the topic that way same with like chat clients or things like cortana or siri so when i basically say like i gotta be in boston next week can you make a meeting with that person that machine should then realize like hey do you have your flight already or should i start trying to look for a flight for you as well do you need a rental car so the more we can automate our day-to-day -day tasks uh, with machine learning i think the better it becomes it should be this helpful thing that happens in the background and i don't realize it like all these bit but these little things that computers automatically can do for us 
other things where AI in the workplace becomes really, really useful. And is there a chance that AI gives employees more flexibility in how, where, how long they work, or the sort of hours they work, etc.? I think the more interesting thing is that an algorithm can analyze what you do and re- uh, and then give you an information flow of like, here's what you've been spending your time on. Because most of the time we think we're super effective, but then we realize we actually spent more time doing research or more time doing things uh, uh, that basically we just want to do rather than doing the things that that we do. I mean, I'm, I'm terrible at task lists, for example. And every time I do a task list, I forget to write them in there or I do them. So rather than, uh, than me trying to maintain my own task lists, a computer could actually, or machine learning can actually see the tasks that are connected with the one that I'm doing right now, automatically do some of them that don't need much creativity, but just need to do some follow-up, like inviting people to the meeting for me. And that way I could be much more effective in the future as well. So by telling us or by uh, by learning from what we're doing and uh, showing us what we've been doing, I think there's a lot of insight into that one. And sometimes it's surprising where you lose a lot of time and you always wonder where it's gone. Do you see a future where AI and machine learning driven tools are affordable for the average business? They are to a degree already affordable for the average business because a lot of them are actually built into the operating systems that we have, like in Windows, in Mac OS X, in Android, in iOS. So a lot of the uh, the clever things, the, the very human interaction things are actually built into the systems that we use that come with the machines that we build. In terms of running your own data sets, there is, uh, there's of course the opportunity to use cloud server from other companies. I mean, there's IBM Watson was the first big one to do it. AWS, Amazon has them. Google has stuff. Facebook has stuff. Of course, Microsoft has a lot of things as well. I hope that in the nearer future, a lot of this stuff will be more, will be made available more publicly as well. But I'm very excited to see that in the education space and in the startup space, a lot of things are available in a very affordable fashion already. What is one myth you wish would go away about artificial intelligence? The whole myth of a, of a thinking computer and a, a computer that is like a human being, we're far away from that and I hope we never get that way. I mean, uh, it's great to see Iron Man talk to his computer and have like a banter with him and have like sarcasm going back and forth. But this is what we need humans for. We don't need computers to replace that kind of thing. So I'd rather see uh, more of the AI as a helpful a tool rather than like a magical computer thing that we only knew from sci-fi that now we can afford if we buy the newest $900 phone. I want to wade into some murky waters now and talk about um, ethics in artificial intelligence. And thinking about, you know, you mentioned uh, facial recognition um, and how that sort of influences how we speak to each other and, and understanding, you know, non, non-verbal cues. And with all the um, sort of controversies around facial recognition technology, what are your thoughts on ethics in AI and how can we make sure that tools are are used in sort of a, a beneficial way? There cannot be any AI even uh, trying to get into the end game of an AI without ethics. I think that's one of the biggest dangers right now, that because it's a big uh, hype and because there's a lot of money in AI, a lot of companies basically keep their information from the public and also keep the data that they collected from the public in the dark and just analyze them in the background. So a lot of people have been complaining that like free upload sites where you could host your photos have been used to actually train facial recognition software. And of course, the 
the, the, the glib answer is like, well, it was free, nothing is free. But I think that's a sad point that we are at a stage where people think that uh, every, every data that goes out is fine to actually go out and have to worry about it. And I think that's the most dangerous part. We need much more transparency in the AI space and we need much more transparency in the data collection space as well. Every company that collects my data should give me access to that data as well and tell me what it thinks of me, what I think I am. There's always the, the thing when people say like, well, I've got nothing to hide, so it's totally fine. It's not the point that you have something to hide. It's when the information that has been collected of you has gaps in it and the, uh, and the AI or the ML program basically puts some random data to fill these gaps and then you have to defend yourself against that. What if your that picture that you uploaded to Facebook has something illegally happening in the background and you've been tagged in it automatically by the machine although you had nothing to do with the illegal bit that happened behind you. So that's where companies should be very much giving people the insight of where they are, what they've been seen as and also give them the options to opt out and not be recorded. So that's something that is uh, very much on my radar and also on my company's radar that the ethics and AI is the biggest discussion that we have right now because we got massive amount of power, but we also need to wield that power in a very clever and very human fashion because otherwise there's a, lot of, there's a lot of problems coming our way. When it comes to ethics and AI, we always have to remember that computers are there or machine learning is there to give us answers to our questions. The more ambiguous our questions are, the more random the answers will be. So the more less trustworthy those answers will be. So every machine learning program that you do, every system that you actually start training on data, you should always give like a, a main training session and a few other training sessions and then keep comparing them and make sure that there's no outliers or there's no false positives in this case. So um, when it comes to, to using trained data, make sure that you have as much data and as much as as much diverse data as possible. So when it comes to facial recognition, make sure that the data that you put in, that trained the system with, has people of all ethnical backgrounds, has people of all kind of situations where the, the, the face is not completely visible and these kind of things. There's data sets that are quite good and there's data sets that are quite cheap. And if you want to do something that is actually uh, impacting people's lives, never go for the cheap option, but actually spend more time training the information because you don't want to be at the receiving end of some court case where your system turned out to be racist. So this episode is titled AI Friend or Foe. And I want to hear from you, AI Friend or Foe. Definitely friend, because it makes us more productive. It allows us to actually be faster than we were, and it stops us from having to do repetitive, boring tasks. When it comes to the faux part of it, that would be the human or the companies using it against us or with us. So if data is withheld, if there's no transparency, if the AI is basically used to filter out people without giving them information about it, then we have a problem in our hand that AI is used or as a weapon. And that's not the fault of the program. That's not the fault of the algorithm. That's the fault of the humans wielding it uh, for profit or whatever reason that they want to. And that's why it's important that all of us are actually interested in what AI is and what AI can do rather than just uh, looking at it. Oh, it's magical. I can use it, but I don't understand it. They're not magic. They're just basically advanced computing program that have now uh, the opportunity because the hardware became much more available and faster. So none of us are actually too stupid to consider about uh, consider thinking about AI and ML. This is the right moment right now to get started with it and get interested in how these things work. Chris, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciated the time. This conversation was very illuminating. Thank you very much. 
Talking with Chris got me thinking about how artificial intelligence is really coming into being as this time saver, this savior of the menial tasks that humans aren't good at and don't actually enjoy doing. AI has the ability to sort of reduce labor-intensive and repetitive tasks that we do. It just gives you back those snippets of time that add up at the end of the year into hours and days of lost productivity. And that's, you know, that's a bright future for whether you work in an office or whether you work in a factory. Like, these artificial intelligence tools are sitting right in front of you and you have access to them in a way that was impossible a decade ago. Productivity Confidential is produced by Fastco Works in partnership with Citrix. I'm your host, Ted Brown. Our producer is Danielle Roth.